it's just the little things. I'm telling you, we cleaned all those up during our bye week, and um, it's, it's, we cleaned up those little things. Look at that score right there. That's what happens. Today we just stepped it up on another notch and we just kept our foot on the gas the entire game. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we just came out like a bat out of hell. You know, when they first walked in, I was just, I kind of felt really odd. I don't know, like my stomach, it, it, it definitely felt different. Again, it's, it's not about me, it's, it's about Naugatuck and Woodland getting back after it, celebrating the George Pennell Trophy one way or the other. And, Great to have football back again. Valley football. Cost here with Cam Edwards. With not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns today. Five touchdowns. How does it feel like? Oh, good. We're looking to improve and get ready for McMahon next week. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Meat Grinder. Weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut, and I'm your host, Sean Patrick Foley. And with me, as always, is Peter Perguaga. Pete, what's up? Nothing much, man. Just kind of getting lost in the math that is the playoff formula. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Take a look at this if you're watching this on the thing. I'm going to pull up my, my playoff. <laughs> uh, that's not it, but I'm actually using paper now. Look at that. That's class. That's just class double L. That's great handwriting. Oh. This is also great podcasting. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but to do it, it's pages and pages of scratch, chicken scratch, with ranges and bonuses and if guarantees. And I promised myself I wouldn't do this once I realized how tough it was. And then we had a call the other day, and they're like, "Well, if you don't do it, they're gonna think that you're lazy." I'm like, "Did they try doing this?" And uh, so I made some phone calls. I tried to call coaches like, look, what what do you know? What what do you just in layman's terms? We talked about it last week. Basically, what happens is they added a strength of schedule modifier, uh, meaning now now that in addition to the 10 points that you get for every one of your team's opponents, you beat victories. Now you have you get an, an additional five points for every every time your opponent wins, regardless of whether you beat them or not. And then you have the, the base 10 excuse me, base 100 points for winning uh, against an opponent. And if you're a smaller school, you get more than that. Whatever. Anyway, if you go on the CIC to, to read about it, how it works. It's convoluted and it's a mess, but it's up to us uh, scribes to figure this out. And usually that's what we do. We have Hal Levy or we had Ned Griffin or then I learned how to do it. And I tried to teach you how to do it last week. And it's a mess. It's the hard. wrong year to teach me how to do it. Yeah, no, I should have taught you earlier because now it's just like, but I think someone figured it out. And, and uh, I think the base, the the thing that simplified it for me was instead of every you know and you have to be kind of an aficionado on this instead of every game your opponent wins you get 10 points now it's 15 points that's how you do it because that's one win but now you have to do you have to just you have to go instead of the guaranteed points just means two teams that played uh if they if you beat them both and you're guaranteed to get those points, so that's instead of 10. Now it's 15. And the bonus points now is if you beat a team and they win somewhere else, then you get another 10. Now, instead of that being 10, it's 15. But the one you got to watch out for is the the, the, the opponent that, is, that you didn't beat playing somewhere else. And then, then you have to add that. So that's another level to it. It's a pain in the rear end. I tried my best. Still haven't done it as of this recording, which is on Monday at 342. 
p.m. Um, I think a lot of other people have, tri- have gotten a little bit better handle. I think Ned Griffin of the day might have something later, which uh, delves into it. But I think it'll clear itself out after this week. That's a real bottom line. It's getting a lot easier to figure out uh, as we do. This. I got people calling me left and right. So, I mean, I, I have to do this. And as soon as we hang this up, uh, this podcast up, I will figure it out. But uh, it was really. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, you know, throwing myself uh, down the down the pit of despair, trying to figure this stuff out. But it's been kind of a crazy week. We uh, both of you, you and me kind of spread our wings and drove all over the state. You three stops in the CCC country on Friday night and me to the opposite ends of the state twice to Stafford and even further beyond that, to Woodstock, uh, where, where so far north became so far north. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about the game. We're a lot to talk about a lot. Lots of playoff stuff. We're going to get to that in a second. But let's talk about the game. We didn't go to Pete. The biggest result, probably, I think, of the weekend. Like, yeah, Southington losing to Connor was, you know, surprising. And then kind of shook up class double L a little bit. Maybe adds another spot there. But uh the, the big one was Norwalk, the darling team of September, knocking off Wilton, the darling teams of October in the FCAC. Now it's November. And can we start calling Cam Edwards Mr. November? Or how about Mr. MVP? Let's call him that. He ran for 291 yards and five touchdowns and had a pickoff. It was 21-14 Wilton after a Parker Woodring TD. Now, he played great, too. He had seven catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. So Parker Woodring catches a touchdown with Grant Masterson. Puts Wilton up 21 to 14. And after that, it was all Norwalk. Well, I should say it was all Edwards. He scored the next four touchdowns, 18 yards to tie it, 21 21. And they picks off a pass in the red zone, stop scoring drive, and the next play, 60 yards, touchdown. He had an 80 yard touchdown in there. My goodness. Good night, Wilton, by the way. He, Norwalk with a very, very faint shot and double out. And I would venture to say they're not going to get in. But Wilton had a very legit shot at getting in, and now they are on life support. And that was that is what Cam Edwards did on Friday night. I, I think Mr. MVP, Mr. Player of the Year, has a nice ring to it. Yeah. Obviously, the season's not all said and done, but you know our our editor Sean Barker uh, slacked us. If you're hip, you have slack at your job. Uh, he slacked us. Uh, Cam had the pick. And then he took the next one for a touchdown, which I think gave Norwalk the lead. And he goes, this is his Heisman moment. And like, it really was, I mean, you have the numbers in front of you, but I mean, just an absolute ridiculous performance by a player that shouldn't surprise us. Like I I saw everyone on Twitter was like, Oh, Cam Edwards, Cam Edwards. I'm like, you know, if you've been reading Pete Pete Paguaga this, this whole fall, you would have already known by week three that Cam Edwards was a electric player and a guy that you had to watch every single time he touched the ball. That said, everyone was like, oh, God, Cam Edwards. But, I mean, he's been doing this all year. The kid is – and he doesn't just score touchdowns. Like, I mean, he's scored. He think he's got 24 touchdowns. But, like, they're not one-yard runs. They're not two-yard catches. They're not, you know, three-yard, you know, draw plays. Like, he scores from, like, 20 yards out every touchdown. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but, like, it's crazy when you look at the box scores and you see these games where, like, you know, you look at his longest rushing yard, Ludlow 69, Ward 81, 
Uh, New Canaan, 29, Bridgeport Central, 25, Staples, 44, Wilton, 80. And then you're like, oh, no, against Chester, his longest run was 12 yards. Yeah, but he also caught a 59-yard pass on fourth down to win the game. You know, his longest catch against Ludlow was 36 yards, 41 against Ward, 58 against Darianne. Like, put the ball in his hands, and he's going to do something special every single time, and there's nothing defenses can do. Yeah. And like you can make the argument. You go, oh, he only had 10 carries for 18 yards against Darianne. That's mm-hmm. one, probably the best team in the state. Probably the best. Defense. I mean, they're number one. They're the double L favorites. Yep. And they have a great defense. But you know what? He might not have done it with his with his legs in that game, but he had two catches for 78 yards. Yeah. That's Stop a lot. Like 78 yards is a lot of yards. Stop him in one area, he'll kill you in another. Stop him on yeah. offense, he'll kill you defense. Stop him on the ground, he'll kill you in the air. Stop him in the air, kill you on the ground. This is not a knock against Norwalk at all. Seven and three is very impressive. I wish we could see them play in the playoffs. And maybe our Matt's wrong. Who the hell knows? Yeah. But maybe. you look at these games. Probably not. They beat Ludlow by eight. He had two eleven and three. Right. They beat Cheshire by 10. He had the big play to win the game. Like, you know, if they have a full roster against New Canaan and Coach Miller, they maybe win that game. They only lost by three. Right. You know, Staples, they lose by six. Cam had 196. Like he makes that team go and he arguably is the most valuable player to any team in the state. And I think that record reflects that. Like if they don't have camera, they seven and three, I don't know, but I'm confident saying that they have Cam, they have cam Edwards. Like, yeah, they are seven and three because you know, they're six and three going into Thanksgiving, but he's just that important. And like, you know, Coach Miller, I talked to him at the beginning of the year, Cam's doing this, and he's like, yeah, we're just like, you know, he knows what he's doing. We're going to keep giving him the ball until other players catch up. And, you know, when it's crunch time, they want him to have the ball. When it's crunch time, you want your best player to have the ball. He said it after the Cheshire game. He goes, we were trying to find a way to get the ball into Cam's hands because he's our best player. And that's okay to say. Too many times, you know, people are like, oh, well, we don't want to, like, offend you know, other players across the state or, or in the league. Like, no, Cam Edwards is the best player. Cam Edwards is the most important player to his team in the FCA. Yeah, no, 100%. I don't think there's any debate about that. I think that's what uh, uh, EJ Denunzio said afterward. My favorite quote after the game was uh, uh, Pat Miller saying, like, he had one of his alumni show up. And his uh and his alumni was like Cam Edwards made a ridiculous play, which which makes you think that you should see all the plays we don't see on Friday nights, you know. But he makes a ridiculous play, and the, the alumni go, "Whoa, what what the heck was that?" Pat Miller goes, "Dude, oh, that's just Wednesday." Yeah, he he said it to me at the beginning of the year. He's like, "On Friday, I have to like strap him down to a chair." Yeah, because he's like jumping, making all these diving catches, and he's like, "It's Thursday. We need you tomorrow Dave night, but quickly." Quickly on Coach Miller, and I, I, I got to give a shout out to our boy, Pat, Pat Miller here. I threw it up on Twitter on Friday. So he took over the OC job at Sheen in 2016. Mm-hmm. That year, Zach Davis went off the 3,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. Uh, he was named to the game time CT, New Haven Register, All-State first team. In 2017, he gets two sophomores named Terrence Bogan and Jordan Davis. He has them in 2017. He has them in 2018. He has them in 2019. Now, in 17, 18, and 19, Bogan rushed for 2,000 yards or like a little less. And Davis was a stud, either rushing for 1,000, 
like a bunch of yards offensively catching. And in 2019, they win a state title. They're both on the first team all state team this year. He's got Cam Edwards. <laughs> I mean, like, well, I, does he just great have great athletes? Because because, well, you know, Pat is so he's so, you know, he's like, oh, I'm the luckiest coach around. Yeah. You know, a coach, I think you could make me into yeah. like a decent running back. Yeah, I won't. I won't be fast and I won't be powerful. But like, I think I get a couple of yards for, for you. That's a great run by Pat. And I called him the other night. I'm like, where, where's Cam? What's Cam's, uh, you know, what's his college situation looks like? It looks like he's got an offer from Central and he's got an offer from uh, Central Connecticut and he's got an offer from, Sa- from Sacred Heart. So, you know, it's just the word starting to get out there, you know, and then he's going to have a home. And that's that's good to hear because, you know, it, it, because we're not going to be able to see him in the playoff, which is a shame. Um, you know, and I don't even think if, if the SEC scheduled right and gave West Haven and Hamden like real schedules like they should have, uh, even if that was the case, I still don't think Norwalk would have, they, they still have a long way to go. They got to climb over Greenwich, Trumbull, Staples, and Newtown as well. And even Southington, Hamden, and West Haven now at this point. So uh, there, it's it, it, they need everything to go, go their way. So joining us now is game time CT columnist Jeff Jacobs. Talk a little bit about some something other than the state playoff uh, formulas right now, which we off the camera, we are still trying to wrap our brains around. But uh, Jeff, you got some superlatives for us, you know, in your first year covering high school sports here, excuse me, covering football full time for Game Time CT. You've uh, come up with, you know, I guess Jake's picks for this. Yeah. Jake's takes. What do you got? Jake's takes with nine games done. Yeah. All right. Because if I I get my if I get wrapped up in that playoff formula, I'll, I'll just my head might explode. All right. The two best players from Connecticut. Oh, Tyler Booker from New Haven, who is playing for IMG and, and going to Alabama, and Connor Robertson, who left Fairfield Prep to play for Austin Westlake, Texas. Oh, they're they're only going to the SEC, and they are um, from Connecticut, and uh, they play for the number two and number three ranked teams in the nation. Mm. So, for people who say we can't produce anything, I submit to you Tyler Booker and Connor Robertson. Now, as far as my defensive player of the year, he's only got 50-odd tackles, but he's got 12 sacks and 17 tackles for losses. David Ivanchuk of Darien, he is a menace. And if you've got a quarterback, say a prayer for him before you play because he's going to be chasing you in the backfield all game. My all-around player of the year, Yes, the Swiss Army Knife, Corbin Smith of Trumbull. Really? 513 rushing yards, 889 receiving yards, I believe 12 touchdowns. So he's got in excess of 1,400 total yards plus five interceptions. He is also the most exciting player and fun to watch in the CIAC. Really? So that's like about two and a half Jake Jake's takes there on for Corbin. <sighs> My favorite moment of the year, undoubtedly. St. Joseph halftime homecoming queen, Madigan Leifer, also one of the better lacrosse players and still alive as a soccer player for St. Joe's, was named the homecoming queen. And she came out with one of the Morrissey twins who was named the uh, the uh, homecoming king with his big head cut out on a stick, carrying it up like this, as if he was some sort of 
Iranian prime minister. Um, I, I think Maddie, being an athlete, had a certain sense of humor that that maybe other uh, uh, homecoming queens that wear the tiara might not have had. So bully for her. My favorite day, definitely driving the bus to from from Killingly to Danbury with uh, with Quinnebog Valley and Coach Joe. Azamelli and uh, when they went to Danbury to play ATI, that was I learned a lot about the tech schools and their ambitions in life and who they are and what they're all about. Plus, it was just a hoot listening to him and his coach, assistant coach. My offensive player of the year. Now I know you guys. I know you guys too well. You just want me to blurt out Cam Edwards. I know it. Cam Edwards, I've seen him play as much as anybody, and he he's unbelievable. His golden shoes. Let's see here. He's got 1,484 yards rushing, uh, 1,901 total yards, all-purpose yards, 24 touchdowns, and he plays against a tough competition. So I know when you guys get in, huddle in your secret room to pick the MVP of the year and everything. He's going to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm betting now that betting's legal that you're going to pick him. We certainly so talked about him. I'm picking, I am picking. I can't come up on the top of my head. I've been trying to def, def, define the two. So for now, I'm going to pick co-offensive players and co MVPs for the league and let because I don't want to step on the mighty powers of official game time slash New Haven register or whoever else who who has the power which is not me a tie between Rosa Victor Rosa Vic Crystal Central who's got numbers that are scary it's got an excess of 2,300 yards rushing and 31 touchdowns. And he has 2,983 total yards, including his passing. He's the best player in non-prep school Connecticut in the CIC. I will repeat, Victor Rosa is the best player. But that – and what, what do we call it? CT register – I mean, CT uh, – New Haven register player of the year. There it is. Yeah, I'm calling that a co-winner so far. So you guys can get in your smoky room and, and decide. But I I'm, just I just want to point out that since Sean Bowley has been selecting this team, obviously since 2013, I came aboard in 2018. I think was my first year. We've only had pr- primarily defensive players who have been Ooh. player of the year, like. We had Ben Mason, who played running back and fullback, yes. you know, Godfrey from West Haven, but it was his defensive plays. So uh, betting on an offensive player would be a big oh, shift in Sean Bowley. That's I, all I'm David, saying. David Ivanchuk is my bronze medalist, okay? And now I can't decide who the gold is. For, for, your, for your purposes, I'm telling you the best player is Victor Rose. But Cam Edwards, for what he did on the field and his opponent, so that, that's got to be weighed out among – Mine's much greater than mine, but I do have one final choice. My favorite player of the year, Ty Comiskey Darian. <laughs> he is a joy to watch. He hits people. He hurts people. Not 
injures them, hurts them, and they get up. He is just, it's like, he's like, you can't, you can't depend on any stocks anymore, but he was like IBM back in the old days, man. You, you, he is Mr. Dependability, but he's Mr. Punishment too, you know, the beast. And when he breaks him, he's hard to catch. So, and I like saying his name, Ty Comiskey. It's a good name. You got to get used to it though. Cause you're going to probably spell, be riding I've it missed, a lot in lacrosse. Right. I've misspelled a lot of names in my time. And I think I've probably misspelled that one. So those are my superlatives. And if you have any questions, I'd be more than happy to answer. <laughs> I, I like I like that list. I don't think any of those players don't belong uh, anywhere. I you know uh, the only argument I'd have against Victor and Cam is obviously the competition they they play against. Um, right. But Victor is I've seen Victor twice this year. Every time the ball's in his hands, like you think something's going to happen, and usually more times than not, it does. Yep. Good, great player. I've seen him. I have not seen Cam Edwards, and I feel really bad about that. I think you should go to the well, uh, all I got left go to the Sam Testable. Yeah. Underrated defensive player, Sean. I yeah, I heard a lot of Cam. great things. I mean, I've seen him on video plenty of times. Uh, but what he did against Wilton, as we discussed, is ridiculous. Um, that was one of those all time like, you know, he could have they could have packed it in and said, All right, well, Ole. But uh, no, he 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 showed up and just Dude. crushed. As far as Rosa is concerned, you know, uh it, listen. Uh, he uh, he's great, too. Uh, I mean, I saw him. Got, was one of the great best games I saw all year was the one versus um, Harvard Public. Um, and obviously just every year, he's just, he's just consistent, consistently ridiculous. And uh, that's really going to help him. Uh, I mean, we're all talking about potential, probably most likely first team players here. Kamiski, I think, is a great pick. I mean, Vancek, he's in the running, obviously. And his brother was all state. Uh, player of the year. player of the year for Sean because he was a defensive player. Yeah, 2015. <laughs> We've had Zach Allen. We took Ben Mason. Uh, we even took uh, the year that everyone took. Uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Killingly? Uh, was uh, uh, what's that? The running back. Yeah, oh, whose name? Spencer. So, Spencer Lockwood. The year we took Spencer Lockwood for Killingly, um, mm-hmm. we actually went the other way. We went with God- Kyle Godfrey of West Haven, and we kind of got some crap for it. But, uh, you know, that was one of those things where like, well, how much did, uh, you know, I think I thought killing was more the, was more the complete team um, and they could have. I don't know. I mean, he was great. It was a it was a controversial pick, as was last year's. But, hey, Morrissey. Over, over I, I, I want to throw out a, a question to you guys to give you guys first crack at this one before we sign off here. Coach of the year. I've written that. I've written down my name. What the coach of the coach year? Coach of the year. I mean, you got to think Hellstern, depending on how prep finishes. Yep. Um, Forget his first year as head Absolutely. coach at Darien. Um, you know, uh, depending on how Hall does in the playoffs. I mean, Robinson. Yeah. You know, if they if they make a run, uh, you look in L. Kevin and Maloney if they can do what he thinks they can do. Um, you know, Massick, Steve Christie, if Massick can get in, I mean, they're still a big if to get in, but you know, you obviously you got, um, I mean, if Branford does something, I mean, that loss to Guilford though, oof, yikes. But I mean, if they could win, that's a great year for Johnny. Uh, and then you look at S and, you know, uh, look, Tom Brockett, I'm sure was one coach of the year a handful of times, but if they could win S this year, this might if be he his wins best S this job. year. Might be his best coaching job of his career. Yeah. I would call it the best coaching job of his career bar none. 
and uh, he might he might sweep away the opposite. I think Forge is a good front runner since they're number one. If, if Darian's going to win the class double L, Forge I think is a great pick there. Helstern's right there. Prep's got to win a state championship. So I think that's uh, I think that's what you're looking at. And then you know let's not forget our, our guys over there at Killing Leaf too. You know Chad yeah, Neal's done a great job. Uh, as always, so uh, can, can I, can I, Randall Randall oh, Bennett from Cromwell. Can I can I inter- interject? Oh, yes. You just named the guy that I think deserves serious consideration for Coach of the Year, Randall Bennett. Mm. I think he's a. You're, you're right. You can look at you, those Coach of the Year things. Some people vote for most improved. You know what I mean? They're, you know, sometimes the best coach or the best team doesn't win it, and you know all those things. So it's a very argumentative vote. I just wanted to bring him up because when I talked to him and the job he's done, I was very impressed. Very impressed. Yeah, he's. I saw him at the Bloomfield game on Friday. He was there watching. Yeah, he he goes and yeah he he goes and he scouts like like yeah. not only S teams he he goes and watches uh, other teams in bigger divisions just to see what he thinks he has to do and stuff. And he's got some really impressive concepts. I was just waiting for that name. Thank you for for bringing up you. You went through eleven. You went through eleven names, but you got to the guy that I wanted you to hit on. I mean, there's it's so crazy because every year we're it's, coaching it's the hard. year like it's, it's a layup. Yeah. Not to say that it's a layup to pick the number one coach, but like I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, like when Stafford was really good. And, I remember Ned like brought it up. Be like, why isn't anyone talking about Brian for coach of the year? This is a program that was two years ago might have folded. And now they won 10 games and they're in the playoffs. Like, you know, it's such a, like you said, it's such a, it's a hard thing. It's like, you could pick the coach that wins the championship, but what about the coach who has done so much with a lot less? You know, a lot, a lot of coaches of, frankly, I don't want to sound, you know, like false platitudes here, but a lot, a lot of coaches have done a good job this year coming off uh, COVID getting it organized and stuff. Frankly, I thought it was going to be a bigger mess than it was, you know, coming in. It certainly was going that way. It was going that way, but they cleaned it up, didn't they? Maybe instead of between week one and two, it took week two to three or something like that. But they got it cleaned up. It didn't last a whole half season for, for teams, I didn't think. It still, it still had its in influence. And like you said before, it's had influence we don't quite know about. I mean, I've talked to – when I talked to a few teams over the course of the last few weeks, they were like, yeah, we didn't have this this guy out. We had this guy out. And, you know, the general understanding is that it was, you know, COVID-related. Now, there's teams, especially the smaller right. teams, when you see some weird results, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you see a team, you're like, how the hell they lose to that game? team? And then, what happened in that Rockville game? I, and all, there was a couple of games we had the picks that we never talked about. Oh, we'll talk about the picks. But yeah. some, some of these games have come out like with results that, that are just completely. Well, I mean, one of them, one of the teams is Stafford. They, I mean, and uh, uh, Brian Mazzoni, the, the head coach, said that there were guys that were he'd been missing at times during the year, which is why that you might have seen some. And I don't know if that was COVID related, but he said that we were missing lots of guys, you know, for one reason or any other. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's he hasn't had a complete team. That was probably his best, most complete team. Plus, they also had two weeks to prepare for him. And Rock oh, it's important. Had, yeah, only had like four days. So it's very <laughs> important, Sean, that we have excuses for our picks, though. It's vital that we have excuses. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Jeff's giving us a little preview of uh, what the debate's going to be like as we get into the smoky room, so to speak, uh, uh, for state all-state uh, playoff selections, which are coming up very fast. It's going to be a month from now, uh, and we'll be here before we know. So thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Uh, we'll Thank see you, you. On, the, on the Picks Pod. 
Speaking of the playoffs, let's kind of break everything down for you here right now. Here's what we do know after uh, this week's results. I'm pretty sure, actually, 99.9% positive. Darian has clinched the playoff spot, as has Fairfield Prep and New Canaan. I think Hall's pretty close. This is double L now. Hall's pretty close. Shelton um, is uh, is done with its games. It's in a weird spot. Done with its games. So it's, it's kind of locked in on how many points it can get now from here on out. I think the Gales are in a pretty good spot. And then you have basically that's five spots right there. I don't think anyone's going to match those. I mean, there's a slight chance, maybe Shelton, but I think they're locked in at five. I think those five teams are good. And I think after that you go West Haven, Hamden, and Southington are in the next three spots. But those three spots, I think are up for grabs in class double L uh, look, looking at class L St. Joseph, Maloney, Windsor are the three teams that are pretty much locked in. If not clinched, uh, Naugatuck did itself a big favor this week by beating up, on Woodland, they have two games left, so they're not quite done yet. If they win versus Crosby, they might not even need Ansonia to get into the playoffs. Then you have Bristol Central, another another one I think is in a really good spot. And then uh, Cheney Tick, I think, did itself a huge favor this week, beating uh, Quinnebog and uh, solidifying their spot. They only have winless VG Techs left, uh, and uh, they will get in. So you're basically looking at two spots in Class L. Massic right now and Thames River holding it down, but Lock and Happy will get to it. Class M, uh, it's killingly, folks, clinched, eat no. They have Woodstock Academy left, and then everybody else. Uh, it is a mess, and most of the teams in this class have two games left, so it's not even worth worth looking at it. But the rankings are Granby Canton, Rockville, Avon, Brantford, Ellington, Torrington, Plainville, ATI in there, Watertown in there, Coggenshaw in there, Gilbert even in there, Barlow on the outside and law. You're getting really scraping the bottom of the barrel there. A lot needs to happen to help those teams out. So that's, it's a mess. And, and we weren't even bothered with it. Class S a little easier. Bloomfield, Cromwell, Port and Ansonia all clinched. It's pretty easy to figure out. Then it goes Seymour, which I think will get in if they beat either Holy Cross or Woodland uh, to finish up. And then new Fairfield, we thought like Newtown, not beating Newtown would, would, would be the end of them. No, not even close. Uh, they just need to beat New Milford, and they will guarantee themselves a spot. Otherwise, it might be a little bit tougher. But uh, they're in a really good spot. And then Holy Cross, obviously, got to play Seymour. And if they beat Seymour, I think they'll be in. A, I think they'll be in. I think Morgan got Ellington left in Old Saber Westbrook. I think. Uh, I mean, you know, they think, I think they can afford another loss here. Um, we'll, we'll know after this week. And then Notre Dame Fairfield still hanging gamely on to that eight spot. And then after that, it goes Stafford, Summers, East Windsor, which had a big win over Rockville this week. Sheehan still clinging there and Tallinn with a big win uh, over Rocky Hill. There, uh, they leapfrog the Terriers a little bit and then Ledger not doing itself any favors, losing to, to Woodstock. So that's kind of like where we stop there. But I think, I don't think Ledger is going to win. I think ah, Fitch might give them some points, but I think a lot of other teams have a chance to beat them. So that's the playoff picture in a nutshell. Um, so what do you think, B? I'm just trying to catch my breath. Yeah. Um, there you, you, know, it's, you know, it's going to kind of suck is normally on Thanksgiving, we know who has a chance to clinch, who's already clinched, who needs what to clinch. And I feel like on Thanksgiving, we're going to get home, sit down at the computer and go right to the CIAC site to say, okay, who actually did? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be hard sitting at the end of the game being like, Hey, coach, I think you got in. So if you're in, what do you think? And then, okay, coach, let's do this again. Let's say you didn't clinch. What now? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have to do like two different interviews. Well, I know. 
Um, no, I mean, look, the CIC computer will have it all figured out for you by the time everything is over on Thanksgiving. And like I said, after this weekend's games, because again, there's a lot of outstanding double. There are two, a lot of teams out there with two games left. Um, you know, especially in Class M, which is really mucking things up. It's hard to figure out Class M. Class M. I think by Saturday, we'll Saturday's games are over. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and figure it out. I think we're going to have a really good, a better idea at who needs what. But usually this time we know for a fact who's clinching, who hasn't. And we just haven't had that yet. CIC hasn't been able to do it because it's the, the formula has been kind of tough. Um, Ned Griffin and I, uh, who are usually do it for, uh, for our respective organizations, um, we've been stumbled by the math as well. It's really tough. So that is our playoff picture, Pete. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit more, <laughs> it's a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, uh, simpler than uh, I, I would actually like it, but uh, that's kind of like what we need to do. We need to keep things simple here. So um, simple, the better uh, journalists are not good at math. No, by definition, no, <laughs> no we're not. But it was a really it, it was a it was, listen, it was a great, great week. It was a weird week for us. We were kind of all over the place, Pete. And, uh, you know, we, we sense the playoff is coming up and uh, it was time to kind of stretch our wings a little bit or our legs and get out there and see some of the teams we haven't seen yet. Um, you know, you had a wild uh, a Friday night jumping all over the place in the CCC. You know, what uh, where were the games you hit and what did you learn, Pete? My car gets great gas mileage. Um, I started in Plainville, so I got to see uh, Coach Shea and the Blue Devils. They were playing hosts to Bristol Central and Victor Rosa. Uh, Victor Rosa is really good. Not the first time I've seen him, but, man, he he just gets better and better every time I watch him play. And, uh, you know, Plainville is in that Class S, you know, chance to make the playoffs, so I wanted to see them. Uh, didn't really get to see a lot. Um, they got shut out. But, um, you know, it's a coach is a great coach. He's won before he wins. The, they got into the playoffs two years ago. Um, you know, I, I think this is a pretty strong team coming out of the CCC if they can get into um, – if they can get into the Class M playoffs. You know, they're coming from the CCC where they've played some really good opponents that I think they could, you know, I, I wouldn't bet against them. I just unfortunately saw them against Bristol Central. Yeah. Uh, then I then I drove up to Bloomfield. Uh, our, our first staff look at the uh, Warhawks this year. Yeah, they are. Um, they're good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. I walked in there. It was 14 nothing with like six minutes left in the half. And I was like, oh, perfect timing. Uh, I'll watch the last six minutes. I'll get some photos and video and then I will, uh, you know, go. Um, and. <laughs> they scored three touchdowns in six minutes. Wow. Uh, they got they got some really really good players. Uh, Corn- Cornelis Patrick, I believe, uh, is how you pronounce his name: C O N E U L L I U S. Not Cornelius. There's no R. Uh, he's like their Anthony Simpson. He's running the ball. He's catching the ball. He's playing defense. Dallas Rose has. I think him and Patrick both have over a thousand yards. And they got a they got a they got a. A quarterback who wears number two, not that tall, reminded me just just of Darren Bright. Uh, so it wasn't Darian him back Foster. in uniform? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't him back in uniform. I, I don't think. He was, he was a little shorter than Darren, but I mean, he could throw the ball. I mean, they just – it looks like they haven't skipped a beat. You know, their defense is flying over. They got big linemen. I, I, you know, COVID the, – the COVID season hurt a lot of people. I don't think it hurt Bloomfield. They look really good. Uh, they gave it to South Windsor, who came in with six wins in that game. Uh, and then I drove up to Windsor 
to catch the uh, second half of Windsor Newington, two teams competing for a playoff spot. It was tied 21-21 at half, um, but Windsor was able to pull away. Newington scored a final touchdown with like six seconds left, 15 seconds left, whatever it was. But, you know, Windsor, Windsor is athletes and they run and they fly around the field. And you know, Newington hung, hung tough. I think Austin Howard, three interceptions uh, for Newington. But, you know, it just it wasn't enough. Uh, you know, you know, Windsor's got a great coaching staff. You know, Rob Fleeting is, is one of the best coaches in the state. Um, so they, I, you know, I don't know if they locked up their spot, but, uh, they were, they were fun Eric, to watch. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, the right. three teams, the three teams I wanted to see, uh, Plain, Plainville, you know, just caught them against a good opponent, but you know, Bloomfield's really good. And, uh, you know, seeing Ansonia and, you know, Bloomfield, and, uh, you know, I just, it's hard to pick against Bloomfield right now. Um, and then Windsor, Windsor is Windsor. You know, their only loss this year is to St. Joe's. So if they could avoid St. Joe's until the finals in Class L, I think they'll be fine. How'd the quarterback look? Cromarty. Uh, Cromarty. Not, not like crazy good. Um, not bad. He threw a couple interceptions, a couple of bad passes. But, you know, I, I haven't seen the kid play since he was a freshman. Yeah. So right. <laughs> he's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he certainly uh, made some waves. I mean, we talked him up to get a season. We haven't really seen them since. Um, we'll see plenty of Windsor down the road for sure. Um, it's funny, Pete, because the game that you probably should have seen in the CCC was Connard coming back from a 24 to 14 deficit to uh, beat number seven, Southington. You know, as soon as Southington get back in the top 10, bang, right, right out again. Connard with her, you know, another big victory that they knocked off Newington a few weeks ago. I mean, they're, they're four and five, but they, they certainly could compete. I think that that was the case here. And, and the, the guy, the guy this time was Israel Lopez. The quarterback scores on a 53 yard run with uh, 30 seconds to play for the winning touchdown. He ran for nearly 200 yards, scored three touchdowns. And uh, you know, it's coming up this week and it's very fascinating. We talk a little bit about on the, on the picks, but Connor has a chance to really kind of show everybody what it's about when they play their arch rival hall in the mayor's cup. On Saturday at 1.30 up at West Hartford, uh, a fascinating game is going to have some class double L um, implications. They already knocked off Southern now needs to beat Cheshire, which is no small feat because I sense that, you know, Cheshire's been kind of, you know, they kind of knocked around. They kind of showed up a little bit against Shelton, but that's always a dangerous game for Southern to win. That should be a fun one that the, the green... Sorry, it's, it's the uh, Apple Valley, right? The Apple Valley Classic. Apple Valley Classic. Yeah, yeah. the Apple Valley Classic. Uh, you know, so something needs to win that now all of a sudden. Otherwise, they're out. And thanks to Connor, and Connor has a chance. And they're not going to knock Hall out, but they can certainly make Hall's life difficult by uh, by knocking them into a uh, into a road game. If I mean, they win, in the, hey, they win look, that. Cheshire beats Southington. Hamden loses to Notre Dame. West Haven loses to Prep. Hall loses to Connor. All of a sudden... Staples, Trumbull, Greenwich, Newtown. I mean, they're all even Norwalk, maybe not Norwalk, probably stretching a little too thin to stay Norwalk. Yeah, a little thin there, but a little thin there. But I mean, all of that becomes an option. There are 12 teams that can make the playoffs in in double L. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it too. If Amity had beaten Sheehan and maybe, uh, you know, another one, they may be right in there too. Yep. Amity, because Amity's got two games left, Hill House, North Haven. If Amity beat Sheehan, they'd be. Six and two, and in the thick of things, because yep, you know, 
uh, really fascinating. But the one that kills everybody below this is Greenwich Staples. Greenwich needs a point, seriously. And, uh, you know, even if they beat Staples, I think it's going to be tough for them to maybe even climb over Trumbull. Trumbull's got to beat St. Joseph. And yep. Newtown's got to beat Massey. And uh, Southern's got to beat Cheshire. And Hamden's, all right, probably got the easiest road of all of them. Wet, they got to play West Hill. They got to beat West Hill. And then they got to beat Notre Dame, which is, I don't know. When was the last time they won a green ball? It was 2005. You know, it's been a long time. But like you said last week, Pete, you know, Hamden, we are all, everyone's, Hamden knows it. Everyone's waiting for them to lose. And they don't. They beat up on Law. They had Cameron Edwards and Sam Dumont, who have been great. Let's be honest here. They have had a great season. They're a big part of Hamden making life miserable for class double LA here. Uh, those two guys, they combined for three, 376 yards and three touchdowns in a 35, nothing wipeout of law. They're going to beat West Hill. Let's be honest. And then it comes down to the green ball. If Hamden can beat Notre Dame West Haven for the first time since 2005, they will get into the class double L playoffs. And then you have uh, moving up a little bit, West Haven's playing Fairfield prep. And prep already, you know, already has its uh, road laid out for, but now they can get a, they can clinch a home game if they beat West Haven on thanks on Thanksgiving Eve. That game is being played at night now. Um, at their, it's at West Haven, right? Yes, it's at West Haven at, at Ken Strong Stadium on Friday night. So if uh, West Haven wins that game, they're going to be in. If not, they're going to be out, as far as I can tell. Uh, well, if not out, it's going to be rocky for West Haven to get in, which. But Hamden has no such, you know, West Ham, I maybe have a little wiggle room and at zero because they need to win that game. So class L very interesting. But of course, as we all know, Darien is the, the team is the team, you know, and that's kinda... they are the team. But I just I love the way Fairfield preps playing. I yeah, love... Xavier showed up against them. I got to admit, Xavier kind of showed up. It was close. Yeah, they did. Well, you know, when Jesus is on the line and everything, um, my mom will hate me if she hears that. But. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just, I just am in love with the way that they play. And I, I think if we could get prep and Darien in the finals, that'd be awesome. But I mean, yeah. the way we're looking at it now, and it's not going to end this way because Darien and New Canaan are playing on Thanksgiving. But I mean, could you imagine if we get Darien, New Canaan on Thanksgiving, and then let's say Darien wins and all of a sudden New Canaan's going to Darien week one or round in the quarterfinals? Or vice versa, if New Canaan wins and they meet in the semis, that would suck. Yeah, yeah, well. Because then at that point, everything, not thrown out the window, but we've seen rematches before for, you know, let's be honest here, the semifinals and Thanksgiving are what, 10 days apart? Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you don't have a lot of time to change, you know, what you're doing and and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. Very close to the vest in that game, I guarantee, especially with New Canaan pretty much assured of being, it's just a matter of seeding now. I mean, you want to yeah. win. Obviously, they're going to try and win. They're not going to try and lose or anything. But no, but they're but you you might not see it. You know, look, it's but obviously it be the end of the world. Let's put it that yeah, way. it's a completely different level. But like Maloney and Platt three years ago met on Thanksgiving. Platt brings out this single wing offense in the second half, completely takes Maloney, you know, catches Maloney off guard. And Platt dominates the second half, wins the game, gets into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then Plays nine great. days later, they met in the semifinals. And, you know, you talk to Jason Bruin, he's like, we showed them everything. That day, because we had to win to get in, and right. now we have them again. And what you know, Maloney beat them. Know. Yeah, <laughs> they already know. Are you going to bring the single wing out? Well, we're ready for it this time. You Which know, is like, why I hate rematches. I hate rematches. Unless you have to play them in the final, I can't stand it. It's a quarterfinal rematches shouldn't happen. I hate it, and that's yeah. a big, big, big problem. Uh, moving over to Class L, I saw some interesting games, Pete, in Class L. And then the first one was the one I couldn't believe it. The game I saw on Friday night was Naugatuck 
needing to beat Woodland. And it was for the, the George Pinho Trophy, which I remember it hasn't been, been played for since, I think, 2017. It's been four years. And because of the way the NVL set up, they don't play Naugatuck regularly anymore. Woodland, Woodland moved out of that division. They're in the Ansonia division now. And uh, it was their first game in, in, in three years. That includes the COVID year. And I forgot, Pete, it was Chris Anderson facing his old buddies from uh, Woodland again. It was, uh, it was a weird situation. And I kind of staked. I saw our buddy, our, our old friend, Kyle Brennan there. And I see Kyle. Um, and I staked out. He took a nice picture of me showing staking out right behind Chris Anderson as he waited for Woodland to show up and get on the field. But don't forget Chris Moffo, the assistant coach for Naugatuck for Anderson. He was a he was Woodland's last coach. So everyone forgets that. So you have two former Woodland coaches, one one who's responsible for the two state championships on the sidelines there. And uh, he's I had a nice shot of him uh, waiting for Woodland to kind of walk out on the field. And it was a weird. He said it was weird. You know, when they first walked in, I was just I kind of felt really odd. I don't know, like my stomach. It, it, it definitely felt different. Again, it's, it's not about me. It's it's about Naugatuck and Woodland getting back after it, celebrating the George Pinnell Trophy one way or the other, and great to have football back again. Valley football. Like Chris said, we have a job to do. You know, the motions have got to get out, uh, got to be put aside. We got a job to do. We took it. A, we have a responsibility to our kids here at Naugatuck to coach them up and get them in the best possible position to win games. And uh, Mikey Dietelbaum had a great game for them. Um, and the you know, Woodland took it to him a little bit defensively, only only allowed 13 points. Dietelbaum scored a few touchdowns. They pulled away late. The fog. Let's talk about the fog on Friday night. Was, was, I didn't have any. You didn't have any fog? I didn't have any fog. I'm seeing everyone on Twitter. Oh, fog ball. Oh, this. I'm like, I got nothing. Yeah. It was wild. In, in, in Naugatuck in the Valley, it was a it was an eerie situation there. Everyone was draped and just fogging. The, the kids in the woodland side were throwing up baby powder and making it even worse. There's your baby powder floating all over the place. But, uh, you know, the, the great thing about that was just everyone after the game. It was really nice. Chris Anderson, after uh, Tony Pino, George's uh, brother, gave the trophy out to Naugatuck. Um, uh, Chris Anderson stopped everything. Stop the music. I have something to say here. Hey, I got something I want to say. I'm super proud of everybody on this field. Hey, both teams played their shots out. We know how much heart you guys have. Okay, we love you guys. I love you guys. Coach, many of you guys, you know, since you were this big. I love you guys too. Competition, we get after it. The great coaches, good luck against Seymour. Basically said, I love all of you guys. Love because he's coached the Woodland kids forever. And he shouted out Coach Leda, who, you know, that's a tough spot for Coach Leda to be in, even though he's been a Beacon Falls resident for the last 20 years. I mean, you know, that's all they, they knew there. And thanks, thank Woodland for, for the sportsmanship. And that's just what football is all about. Chris Anderson, Pete, was great. He was like, he wanted to give everyone a hug. He wanted to give a hug Kyle. He wanted to hug me. He's like coming up to me. He's going, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> how you doing? And I was happy to see him, too. It was good to see him. And Mafo was great. And it was a good, good uh, NBL game and good for Naugatuck there in the thick of things. But good job by Mike Dietelbaum, who actually shouted us out on Twitter. So thanks for the article. Thanks for showing up. So uh, anything we can do there, Mike, you just keep, keep winning. You'll get a lot more of those. But uh, good job by Naugatuck. They are right in the thick of things in Class L here. And uh, We'll see, right? <laughs> Basically, class. I mean, it's just the whole, you know, 
Elle has been wait and see all year, right? We're waiting for the shoes to drop on the tech schools. And, you know, we got Chinu's probably going to get in. Thames is Quinnabob. They have ATI and Quinnabob. And they could lose both of those games. And then, you know, Daniel Hand is sitting there licking his chops saying, hey, at 7-3, we might be able to get in here. You know, if Massac loses to Newtown, you know, Fitch too. Fitch, you know, is Capital and, and, and Ledyard left. I mean, they have... It's not over for Daniel Hand, which I no. find amazing because we we had their funeral three weeks ago. Yes. And I want to see Seth Schweitzer in the playoffs. If I like, want to see Seth, one of those like teams, we said, Hand is one of those teams where look out if they get in. Now, here's the problem, though. If they get in, they're going to be either St. Joseph Maloney or Windsor. I think out of that group, I think they want to see Windsor. I think I'm they want to see Maloney. Just, They've beat Maloney twice in the last two playoffs. Yeah. They beat him in the finals in 18. In the maybe, that, maybe, in that's a, maybe that's true because maybe Maloney, and I don't know about the kids, but maybe Maloney gets that like, oh my God, here comes hand again. I, 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 different teams, but. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, but they don't know that. Well, yeah, and, and hand has hand has handled uh, Windsor in the playoffs in years past. Yeah. I, if you're hand, you obviously want to get in the playoffs. Yep. No but matter you who. want to go to St. Joe's. <laughs> Listen, hand is hand. They'll take their chance with St. Joseph. If they're mean. Oh, my hit. God. Yeah. But like, I, you know, we, we talked about Cam Edwards. Like, that's a kid you want to see in the playoffs. Like, Seth Schweitzer is a player you want to see in the playoffs. You look, we, we talked about Newington earlier. Like, Austin Howe is a guy you want to see in the playoffs. You want to see them play on a big stage. Yep. And unfortunately for Wilton, they're not. It's it's a they're going to need hand to lose. And they're going to need Fitch to lose to Ledger and. Thames River to lose to ATI and Quinnipa. It's going to be a long. I mean, I think it's not completely done yet, but they're not getting any points from Pomperog, unfortunately. That's no, that stinks that they they got matched with Pomperog because they needed another game. Pomperog kind of lost their game. So, you know, they lost their game when Trinity was going to not the Trinity probably were going to help many, but, uh, you know, they're they're hoping they're hoping. Now, they also need Matt, you know, Massic to Newtown. That's I mean, Newtown. Let's talk quickly about Newtown showing up. But, you know, they, they, they were only not showing up, but they were, you know, 10 nothing. New Fairfield got a fumble return touchdown to make that them sweat that out. But, uh, you know, uh, what do you think about Massick against Newtown, Pete? I'm a lot less confident in Newtown than I was two weeks ago. Yeah. Not a knock on, on Newtown at all. I, you know, Massick has just been impressive. And, uh, I mean, I Mas- look, we're going we're gonna to pick that game in two weeks. I'll tell you now, I'm still picking Newtown. Mm. But, um, you know, because I think Newtown knows that they're going to be playing for a potential playoff spot. And I think they can look at the teams above them and say, this team's going to lose. This team's going to lose. This team's going to lose. Yeah. And they, I think they're going to be playing for a playoff spot. I, Listen, that one's going to be a great game. New Fairfield can hang tough with Newtown. Then Massick's going to be able to hang tough. That game is always, you want to talk about good Thanksgiving week games. That one's a great one. Always. Yeah. Remember but, the you time that Massick beat Mason. And remember that year <laughs> they beat Ben Mason. Yeah. Uh, now they've, they've had some, ever since uh, the early, early 2010s, uh, since Newtown has gone on this big run here, Massick's always shown up and vice versa. Newtown, even when Massick had its run, Newtown showed up. You know, there are a few times that you're like, mm. they beat Casey Cochran, you know, that one year in 2009 to uh, basically, if I remember, yeah, they knock, they knock them out of the playoffs, Newtown. I think they did. Uh, that's right. They did. <laughs> you know, we, I, we're going to say this phrase over the next like week and a half, but like some of those games, you just throw the records out. It's so cliche to say, but you look at some of these rivalry games and you're like, yeah, that, that can happen. Like, you know, the, the, the better team doesn't always win on Thanksgiving. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of pride, you know, 
there's a lot on the line, especially if you're a team that's not going to the playoffs. I mean, how much fun is that to knock knock your rival out? Yeah. Oh my I mean, god. That might be better than going to the playoffs. Yeah. Especially if you're not guaranteed to win, you're gonna get a tough home opponent, you lose. Yeah. How about winning your last high school game instead of getting blown out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, but not only winning your last high school game, but taking taking your taking your rival with you. You're, that was that you, happened. You already have your foursome set at the golf course. You yeah. uh, you can just book them one. Moving over to Class M, uh, you know, it's interesting. We talk about Killingly, which uh, just, you know, continues to just dominate the field there. And uh, but the, it was, I, you know, I bumped into our buddy Chad Neal in the unlikeliest of places that anyone would ever see me instead of Chad, which would be the campus of New, of, uh, of Woodstock Academy. Never been there. And I went on. I took the ride, Pete. I went finally went. I'm wondering all the time what it would like to be, go watch a football game. And was frankly, Woodstock had never, ever given me it, uh, never given me a reason to go until this year. And, uh, and then they remember they almost beat NFA. Talked a little bit about that. And uh, remember, we talked about Ethan Davis uh, and that. And uh, I remember Scott Erickson at the beginning of the year wrote this glowing like Woodstock preview. And I was like, Scott, don't you know how bad they've been in 15 years? They've only won. and I did the research and it. Thank God I did. They've only won five games in 16, five ECC games in 16 years of the program. And two of those came in 2019. And he was like, oh, you know, the coach, Sean Saucy, was like, Ethan Davis. Oh, we have him as a senior, you know, senior class. This group is really good. And I was like, all right. Yeah, sure. Sure enough. Now, Woodstock is seven and two. Ethan Davis came out on fire again with Ledger and an ECC title. Their first ever title online came out on fire. Davis ran for 260 something yards, four touchdowns and threw 170 and two more touchdowns to lead Woodstock to a 42 to eight victory over Ledger. Remember how high we were on Ledger and uh, through to, it was over early. Carter Saracena caught a 43 yard touchdown pass from Davis. Then Woodstock rolls the dice, squib kick, recovers that. Ethan Davis, halfback option to Saracena, 14 nothing. Ryan Outlaw, who we love and is going to be a great player. He's only junior. He's going to be a great player next year. He's been battling a knee injury all year. Tweaked it. You could see it. He was hobbling. And you're like, oh, that's not good. They get within 14 to 8 on a, on a James Green. James Green's kind of like the backup or he's the secondary guy. Now he's the feature guy. Get within 15 to 8. And then Davis scored the next four touchdowns. 21. They get him 21-8 at halftime or 22-8 at halftime. And then he just went off in the second half. He had a you know, 65 yard run, another touchdown run. He did the uh, he did the little stop before the end zone and then let the kids jump by him and then score, scored the touchdown. You know what I mean? Who did that? It was a famous NFL player. Anyway, um, that was on his high school clip. Anyway, so Woodstock, a great, just a great victory. I mean, finally, Woodstock, after all these years of fertility, finally winning a title now. The reason why I mentioned Chad Neal is because they're playing killingly on Thanksgiving. And I think they played in 2017 and they got smoked. But this time, now you got a good Woodstock team playing, which is, you know, now the seventh ranked team in the, in the right? Seven, seventh ranked team in the state and killingly. And probably a great, it's a, it's a great on paper Thanksgiving Day matchup and Ethan Davis all fired up. It's crazy. I mean, Woodstock's always been like the lowest of low in the ECC and state. And it feels great to win with my group of friends, my big group of seniors and team to win the championship. Did, did a lot of teams ever, did you guys start the season? A lot of teams, they didn't take you seriously, did they? No, no team did. I don't think anyway, but we proved it for sure. 
Now you're going to play them. You know, and that's kind of going to be, I mean, where do you rank that game against them? Uh, Thanksgiving. It's going to be crazy. I'm so excited for that game. Who do you know on that team? Are you really good friends with anybody still? Or? You're up with Jack, Shark, Shane Duke, Ben Jacks, uh, like Terrence, Allen, uh, Noah Colangelo, all those kids. So everywhere. I grew up with all those kids. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun two weeks to, to build up. It's going to be fun. I said this on the pick and pod. I, I, I picked Woodstock. Uh, a lot of you didn't. I did. Because Cinderella, I said, gets another week. And they are, uh, they're not pumpkins yet. But uh, the Killingly matchup is going to be really hard. Yeah. But for yeah. Killingly, Killingly, I mean, you good. look at, you look at who Killingly's played this year. Like, I mean, anytime they play NFA, it's a tough test because they're, you know, NFA is a double L school. And Killingly, I believe. Oh. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're an S school, but they're up for the success modifier. Correct. Um, you know, so anytime an S plays double L, that's tough. Um, but I think this might be one of maybe their second hardest game of the year. And that's, you know, if you're killingly, you beat NFA and then you got you beat Woodstock going into the playoffs, your two toughest games heading into the playoffs. I mean, M might be a cakewalk for, for them. Killingly smoked NFA. It wasn't. It was just domination. Jack Sharp, Soren Reef. I mean, just these guys are they're on a mission. We don't talk about Jack Sharp enough. Just no. quickly. Well, <laughs> well, when you're playing, you're crushing everybody like, you know, 35 nothing in the first quarter, which is, you know, happens all this, these games. It's hard to, you know, really kind of talk. I mean, you know, NFA, they just crushed them. And uh, the funny thing, Ethan Davis knows every single guy is friends with every single guy and killing. That's the thing I came away with. And I'm like, really? What, what did you come to? Woodstock for you know and he said it was a better fit for him so I don't know what that means maybe academically maybe he was like you know what I'm gonna go play for them but uh no there's uh would you I mean you go to Woodstock you could be a centaur yeah that's pretty that's pretty I don't know maybe there's a quarterback situation there Killingly didn't like I mean that they don't use a quarterback at Killingly I don't know (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with not using a quarterback but no 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 um but uh you know I listen there's there are some there are not many more interesting games than that game on Thanksgiving. Now, Killian might wipe the floor of them. And in fact, I think they will. Yeah, but the pumpkin, it's a pumpkin game. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But uh, but you know, what? lots of I mean, Sean Saucier, the, Wood, the Woodstock coach, a teammate of of uh, Chad Neal on Putnam 1993, which went to the state championship game and lost to Trinity Catholic. So those guys know each other. Wow. He's the former hot. Yeah, he's the former Hyde school coach and came over to Woodstock and he said that's a far drive yeah from Hyde to Woodstock no 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 different Hyde Hyde school oh. Woodstock oh I thought you meant the Hyde school in New Haven no so here's here's Saucier talking about his uh you know what what people made of him and uh what this championship means how, how satisfying is it I mean this it's unbelievable uh it's like I can't even like comprehend it right now, you know, like we just won the division title, you know, and uh, there's literally people who laughed at me when I took the job. So it's a little it's satisfying. Where'd you come from? Um, I coached at the Hyde School in Woodstock. Okay. Um, it's prep school football. So I did that for 13 years before I took the job at Woodstock. Okay. You're from Putnam. Right? I am from Putnam. Oh. Yeah. Play with, you played with Chad. Yeah, Chad and I played on the same offensive line together. <laughs> so there you go. You were an offensive lineman? I was a center in the end, yeah. 
Yep, and Chad was the tackle. So. Yeah, Chad's the tackle. Yeah. <laughs> you center. Yeah. So Pete, just again in Class M, it's just, you know, killingly, it's everybody else. You know, Granby's playing Cog and Chug this week. You have Rockville playing Valley this week. Everyone's got like two games left. Avon's got Rocky Hill uh, this week. Do they schedule that game yet? And the answer is yes. It's Thursday, 6.30 p.m. So that's an interesting game. Brantford, let's talk about them briefly getting smoked by Guilford. Eric Domes, who's been all over our DMs, sliding to our DMs. Yeah, he uh, he scored a touchdown and then had a pick six to get that thing rolling. 14 other than he had a 31 yard pass from Nico Messina and Guilford, which we haven't really talked about Guilford much because let's be honest, their schedule stinks. We picked them early in the year and they got thumped. They got thumped against law and then. And I don't and I don't mean stinks as in their schedule stinks. It, I mean, that's not great, but they played anybody but in the SEC. I mean, I think the only other game they had was Hill House. Basic Basic's like in the SEC, but I don't even consider him part of the SEC. Now they're finally playing like their old ham and asset rivals. And, uh, you know, and, and that was that was impressive. They got Guilford uh, 31 nothing over the Hornets, knocking them back into the pack here. And Guilford's got East Haven and they got hand left. And are they, what's their situation in the playoffs? Well, uh, unfortunately, they're not getting a lot of points. If you look at it quick, they are way, way down there in the class L standing. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty grim. You'd need a lot to happen there, but just, just basically Newington's ahead of you in the standings. You're in big trouble, but uh, anyway, but that, Hey, good job by Guilford. And uh, you know, now it's just a mess in class F, just a mess. I, I, I don't know who's it's almost I not just, even worth discussing. I just, you know, I, I keep going back to Brantford and they keep breaking my heart. Yeah. Well, check the, check the picks podcast. You know, Pete really thinks of Brantford. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just, I just, they just break my heart, man. No. Just, I keep going back. Ellington's in there. They got Morgan and Rockville left. Torrington's in there. Woolkid in Watertown, Plainville, Farmington, ATI is back in it. They've got a few games left here. Jeez. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're going to play all these games. No, probably not. But uh, Watertown, uh, I don't, you know, that's winter Watertown, Torrington. Who knows? Cognitive can get back into it. They'd be Granby and North Brantford. It's a mess there. I'd love to see Barlow. Maybe guy Barlow might be a little too far out, but we'll have to keep an eye on them for next year. But yeah, it's uh, it's Lovers Brantford now, and Brantford needs this one badly. Moving over to Class S. All right, so the other game I went to, talking about Class S, the other game I went to was Stafford. Rockville. Now they moved that game. I guess it was going to rain, so they moved that game up. Uh, I mean, it did rain on Friday. It did it poured oh, Friday no. all day. Yeah, well, until nighttime. Right. Did it? Or no? That's right. Okay, so that, that's right. Well, it was it was pouring all day, which is why the fog was out. So they moved their game up to Thursday. So I'm like, I I gotta go to this. I gotta go all the way up to Stafford and see Rock, the the team I wanted to see was Rockville. And the team I ended up getting to see was Stafford. Mark McLaughlin. Oh, my God. Now, I know I was busting your chops about your boy, Logan Briggs. But he was great. He had an interception early, set up a touchdown. But Mark McLaughlin put on a shot. Threw for five touchdowns and ran for two more. And every time you turn around, somebody was picking Rockville out. Six turnovers. They had four interceptions, two fumble covers, coveries. A nightmare for our guy, uh, Eric Knickerbocker and, and Rockville. And afterward, I went up to... I go, Eric, can I talk to you? He goes, no, <laughs> no, not this game. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brian Mazzoni's 
killing me in front of his kids. I know this guy to my left wants to know why we like Logan Frank so much. Maybe that's why, Sean. <laughs> um, I didn't even remember. I do remember feeling that Pete always talks about Logan Briggs this and Logan Briggs that. Sure it's more like he does love Logan Briggs. I, I, I'm just more like busting Pete's. <laughs> yeah, I know you were. I know you Sorry, were. It's all good. I listen every week, so obviously no hard feelings. That's cool. <laughs> Take it Pete's side. <laughs> uh, listen, they had a big win. That was a big win. Puts them kind of back into the, the discussion here. Uh, it was it was it was it was not Rockfield's best day. To be fair, I don't think that uh, Rockfield. I think that's the Rockfield. I don't think we're going to see that Rockfield later on. I think they're a better team than that. Eric said. He had a little bit of a, you know, they had a, only a short week. And meanwhile, Stafford had two weeks off basically to get ready for that game. They looked like they were jumping routes. They were they were crushing them. And McLaughlin played great. And Stafford only nine. And, you know, they, they got to beat Cromwell Portland, Portland this week. And uh, that's that might be a little bit too, too much. And otherwise, they're going to need a little bit of help. Yeah, I, it's a t- it's a tall task. I, I don't know if I bet against Stafford right right now. Um, they always just seem to win these late season games uh, under Brian Mazzone. And uh, I, I just, I love that game when, when him and uh, when Stafford and Rockville play, because the two of them are very close uh, coached together under Keith talk is at Ellington. Yeah. And they went, um, they go on vacations together. Families. Yeah. They're, they're very close. And uh, I just, I, I went to that game two years ago. Uh, Rockville dominated them. Uh, and Brian, I got, I went to go interview Brian after and he's like, really? I'm like, well, you know, come on, come, come on, coach. <laughs> he goes, you really, you really came to this one. So obviously Eric did the same thing, uh, uh, this past week, but I, that those are always fun. Those are like, that's like my favorite kind of Pequot fo- fo- uh, football, like those schools, the history. Cause like everyone's kind of connected up there. And i learned that when I was in Torrington covering the Pequot as well as Torrington, the NVL, like everyone's connected in that area coach with someone know someone who coached with them is from yeah. there. Like, I just, I just love that. And it, yeah. it's so fun when you get to see it, you know, kind of go toe to toe though. I'm sure Rockville wish it went different. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was not their finest hour, but uh, they're far from done in class M and Stafford, obviously doing itself a huge favor in class S. So uh, that is basically the, the look at it. We'll again, we'll look at this a little bit further in the coming days, especially going into Thanksgiving week, uh, we'll have a better handle on it. Now I understand how to do the formula a little bit better. So, uh, so Pete, we had a big guest this week. We had North Haven coach Tony Sagnella. We had it all set up. We did a big interview with him. It's probably the best interview we've done all year. Not to be awful, but it just didn't record. I don't know what happened. When we really it. buried it 40 minutes into the show. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be really off of it. <laughs> and as of right now, I haven't told Tony, but uh, Tony, uh, I've already by then I've already told him, but Mayor Culpa, it was a great interview. He's an amazing interview. We had we we reminisced and Pete and Atesta was great. He had lots of things to say, and you know, North Haven's been playing great. You know, they've won four out of the last five. He gave us a rundown the whole team, and you know, and I'm almost like I I, I could I'm I don't know I I'm I'd like to try and do it again soon. But I, I, you just can't re- recapture the magic. So at this point, we just cut our losses. So where, what are we doing this week anyway? What's uh, we got? It's busy. We got th- games Thursday. We get games Friday. We get games Saturday. You won't be around this weekend, but yes, back. I'll be for my Islander fans. I'll be at the uh, opener of the UBS Arena, crying which, my eyes out. Which is, oh god, yeah. Good luck with that. I, you have no idea how happy I am that they actually built an arena on Long Island. I have nothing to say to that because I don't follow hockey. 
but uh, you know, so it'd be a busy week for the rest of us. I mean, I mean, we got we have. Well, uh, I'm still I'm doing all the Thanksgiving capsules, man. Those are hard. We got like 70 Thanksgiving games. Yeah, keep it, keep an eye on that for this week. We got lots lots to you know lots to do. Lots to figure out. We have the playoffs to figure out. It's been a weird week to say the least. Um, but uh, we're almost there. It's the final countdown. Do 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 do. All right, Pete, let's get out of here before we cause any more damage. And we'll see you guys next week for Pete Puguaga, Jeff Jacobs. I'm Sean Pachapoli. This has been the Meek Runner Games. Love you.